Hello, pod pals, and welcome back to Best Girl Grip. I'm your host, Nicole Davis, and this is the podcast that navigates the film industry through the lens of the women doing just that. I hope, however you spent your weekend, you managed to get a little bit of sunshine on your face. I I think it was last Friday that I was strolling around Clissold Park and I got some dark chocolate sorbet from my favourite ice cream shop. And I'll tell you what, it felt like the cusp of summer and that feeling is always somehow just kind of new and yeah, very precious and never loses its zing. And that sense of newness actually applies to this week's episode, uh, because this is the first time I've interviewed an animator, which 100 episodes in is probably quite shameful, but I'm really excited that my first foray into the animation arena is with a filmmaker as talented and humble and visual as Renee Zahn. Renee is a Chinese-American director and animator from Houston, Texas, now based in London. She graduated from Harvard University in 2016 with a BA in Visual and Environmental Studies and the National Film and Television School in 2020 with a degree in Directing Animation. Her short films, which include 2016's Hold Me, Kakor Kakor, 2018's Renny Poptosis, 2020's Oh Black Hole, and 2021's Soft Animals, have screened and won awards internationally, including Locarno, TIFF, Sundance, and South by Southwest. We talk about her path into the world of animation, how she started making films, and why she gravitated towards the more tactile techniques displayed in her work. We also discuss why animation can sometimes be lonely, and how she has evolved her process along the way. It was a treat to chat to Renee. I think her filmmaking style is really special and beguiling, and so I urge you to seek out her short films if you haven't already seen them. I've popped some links to those that are available online in the show notes. Just a quick note to say that this is the penultimate episode before I go on a little bit of a hiatus to just replenish and be rather than do, so I thought I would give some warning rather than just signing off abruptly next week. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Renee. This is episode 108 of Best Girl Grip. So I tend to start in the realm of higher education, and I know that you went to Harvard University and studied visual and environmental studies. Um, What led you to that course, and what was the experience of studying at Harvard like? So when I was in high school, I was sort of thinking about what I wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to be an artist, but my parents knew that I should not be an artist. And so um, with that conflict in mind, I sort of, I applied to a lot of different types of universities, like the academic side like Harvard, as well as art schools. And then, and I did not expect to get into Harvard. And when I did, my parents said, you're going to Harvard. (laughs) Um, So that's how I ended up there. But actually, I think it was the best, best choice for me. It was, I really, I really loved it there. I, I really appreciated having this kind of liberal arts education, not just being so focused strictly on art and and animation so early, so young. I think it's kind of, it was really helpful for me just to kind of experience different subjects, different like people, you know, the people there are are so intense and brilliant and (laughs) focused on their different things and everyone's so different. And it was, yeah, I grew up in a suburb of Texas where everyone's kind of the same. So it really like, I guess, broadened my mind, <laughs> which is a lame thing to say. But um, that, yeah, that's how kind of how I think of it. And it was a very, I think, important shift for me. And yeah, and I studied visual and environmental studies there, which is the arts film what is it, major. They've changed the name now to something mo- that makes much more sense. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we kind of, <laughs> we were uh, us, you know, graduates are a bit sad about the name change because <laughs> we could say visual and environmental studies and um, it, no one really knew what it meant. So it kind of sounds mysterious. <laughs> 
so yeah, it was really great. I studied with uh, my main professor. Her name is Ruth Lingford, and she she's from the she's an animator from the UK. And yeah, she was she was really brilliant. And I think it's really it's really great there because they really it's more of an art school fo- focus than film mm-hmm. school. So they really you know you really interrogate like not only how to make a film, but sort of why you're making the film and what it means in the context of like for you and as well as you know where it fits into the broader film the you know space and did you attend harvard with the sense that you wanted to be an animator or was it only while you were studying there that that kind of desire sharpened i would say the desire definitely sharpened while i was there um i went in kind of a little bit unsure i took some you know because we started off taking a whole bunch of classes and then it's not it's not until the sec like halfway through our second year that we mm-hmm. decide our major and even then you can change which I think is a really good way because I know here um you know yeah you choose straight away yeah I've always yeah. been jealous of that that was really good yeah I want I don't know I took some science classes and uh some other like art history and but I I think in, yeah in the end I was I, I realized I think animation was was the way was the way forward for me was there like a turning point behind that realization that you kind of yeah you felt like the calling was happening <laughs> so I, I sort of always wanted to make films but I was very shy and wasn't very comfortable like speaking to people so I did this summer course after my first year where we went to Berlin and did a documentary program mm-hmm. and I really I loved that program and I loved being in Berlin and being in Europe for the first time. It was an amazing summer, but I realized that I did not want to do documentary. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of how I, yeah, I think that's how I thought, oh yeah, animation, <laughs> where I can sit alone in my bedroom, make a film, which is not really, which I've kind of moved past now, but um, at the time that was a very comfortable way of sort of making work for me. And was that time spent in Berlin what kind of prompted you to think that you might like to move to London and be in Europe after graduating from Harvard to continue your studies? Kind of why did you feel like that was maybe the best place for you to be? It wasn't until many sort of years later that um, I ended up here. So after I finished Harvard, I went on a fellowship to Japan for a year mm-hmm. um, where I made my film Renee Poptosis. Um, and that was, yeah, I, I loved being in Japan so much. And then it, I was on like a one year fellowship from Harvard where they funded me to just go and make a film and it was very free and it was yeah, it was it was just a great, great time. And then after that, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And it was, I guess my my professor Ruth, she taught also at the National Film and Television School. And there has been like a kind of history of like people from Harvard coming to the National Film and Television School, doing animation, doing very well. <laughs> I thought that was maybe a good way to go. I was also considering the Royal College of Art. Ruth said that I would probably have a better time at the RCA, but that the NFTS would be more beneficial <laughs> to my interesting career. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I think NFTS was really great in that it forced me to kind of, it, it's great because it really forces collaboration. That's why people go is to work with, you know, a team. You um, Whereas at other animation schools, you, you kind of still work largely on your own. And I had made several films that way and I sort of felt comfortable doing that. So I really wanted to step outside of that comfort zone and, um, and yeah, work, try to try working with um, a bigger team, which is what, because I really want to make, I wanted to make 
bigger projects and that was the only you know only way to do it mm-hmm. and so I'm really glad that yeah that was I'm really glad that I made that step and given that animation you know as a term encompasses a broad range of styles how have you honed your own aesthetic and and why do you feel that you've gravitated towards those kind of more I guess tactile techniques you know hand-drawn 2D animation um watercolor you've done stuff in claymation as well like why is that for you the thing that expresses your ideas perhaps best um yeah I really I'm really drawn to animation that looks like that looks like the drawings behind it or the you know the materials behind it where you can kind of see that the handmade um you know the fingerprints and and yeah I because I guess because I came from a drawing painting background I was really amazed when I realized I mean it was so yeah I just I remember being so amazed realize like the first time I saw those like brush marks there's really that roughness behind it is um what I'm really drawn to and I and I find that really emotional um like using that kind of the mark making as a way to express emotions moods and sort of as a way to push the story of the film forward and you spoke about that like the NFTS kind of pushing you out of your comfort zone I'm wondering how you kind of continue to do that um to push yourself creatively and make sure you're sort of telling new stories or experimenting with new techniques you know like is there a thought process behind that like oh I know I need to be bolder there yeah I think that's kind of a a constant feeling that I have I really I think it's important because it because animation and filmmaking takes up so much of you know my daily waking everyday like everyday <laughs> life um it seems important to me that i that i grow in some way while while doing it at the minute i am uh working on a live action short film with uh with bbc films which is a horror film and it's it's my first live action sort of thing and uh and it's kind of and it's based on well it's around, it's about a british chinese uh violinist so it's sort of rough you know loosely based on my experiences in, in high school uh playing the violin and it's also my first time i guess talking about or making a film that's sort of directly about being asian american but she's british but you know um <laughs> yeah. yeah just like the the experience of being othered um, based on race is um yeah i think it's something that i have been yeah i think is like nerve-wracking to sort of be open about um but I think yeah it feels like an important step for me as well Mm, absolutely I'm also interested in the fact that birds are a running theme in your work both your short films uh Pidge and Hold Me Kakor Kakor feature birds as protagonists I'm wondering what you enjoy about animating birds and why they particularly resonate with you I yeah I I love birds (laughs) birds <laughs> my dad also loves birds so I we've ha- we had a lot of birds growing up so and, and I, I think something I realized is you know we do take a lot from our parents something I don't really something that kind of I resist but in the end I think it, it is true but yeah I, I really love birds I love how I don't know fragile and beautiful and and the kind of flight is something that's really for me is really enjoyable to animate as well as like that freedom of movement really for me connects to is like something that I try to emulate when I'm animating mm-hmm. and and yeah and I think so they've always kind of been an important chunk of my head birds and I'm actually so I made Pidge which is birds and then hold me kaka kaka is bird and then was there anything else at the minute I'm working on um, <laughs> a feature idea which is about a cult who worships birds mm. so 
that I guess that would be the third part of the, the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's exciting. Coming back to thinking about your time at NFTS, I was reading an interview where you said you made a stop motion film where I think you spent about seven months in a dark room by yourself. And I'm wondering, you know, that sounds quite intense. And when you're in the throes of making an animation and it can be quite an isolating experience, you know, how do you stay, I guess, focused or creatively inspired so that it's not like a drudge to get through that, but you actually kind of stay wanting to make the film that you're making? I would, I mean, to be honest, that was a huge drudge. That was, bad, <laughs> that was quite a bad time. And yeah, I think that's something that I really struggle with when animating is like trying to, something I am constantly on the hunt for is like finding a way to make animation enjoyable for, for myself, you know, making sure that I'm having a good time while doing it mm-hmm. and not kind of having a very bad time. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a thin, it's a thin line. Sometimes I, it's the best thing ever you know it's so creatively um stimulating and, and wonderful and sometimes it's like whoo this is this is quite tough so yeah I mean but I think I definitely I would say with a black hole I was so I was motivated a lot by my my team you know by people who had signed up to work on this film and who kind of it became their film as well and, and it was like our together vision that we were trying to create and put into the world and so I knew that I had to you know do my part can I ask what's behind the toughness? Like, is it the kind of the, for me, it would be maybe the finicky nature of animation and that it's, it's very exacting and precise and it just takes a long time to create it. But is there anything else beyond that that you find, yeah, challenging? Mm, I think with O Black Hole, I made a much harder time for myself than I needed. <laughs> I was just, I mean, we were just being very ambitious about the scale of the project, about you know, we made a 16, it's a 16 minute film, um, which is very like way too long, really. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just, you know, it's just, it's just the time and the being, and it was my first time doing stop motion. So, and it's set in a black hole. So the room is lit very dimly. (laughs) So Mm. it's just quite, uh, especially in the summer, you know, when the days are long and beautiful and we're like, oh, (laughs) walking from my flat straight into that room <laughs> and the you know my walk like that walk was like the highlight of my day oh mm-hmm. which sounds a bit grim thinking <laughs> about it but yeah I'm really glad that's over and I really don't I really hope that I like I really want to sort of structure my life so that I don't have to work that way again and and mm. um, yeah I think that's really important I think that's really important is finding that that balance and finding a way to enjoy it because that's why we go into it I think is because mm. we, we love animation so I think it's important to keep loving animation. Well, I wanted to ask the idea of yeah, structuring your life so that that doesn't happen again, whether you've yeah, made any kind of choices or decisions to, to involve collaborators and make the experience more sociable. Well, I yes, yes, yes. Yes and no. Partly because um, we uh, like as soon as we graduated, the pandemic hit. So it sort of, uh, I guess, made that once again a little less sociable. But but uh, no, wait, wait. After I graduated, um, so I made this film, Soft Animals, which is actually a, a project from the NFTS, but I sort of, it was a first year project and then I finished it after I graduated. Right. But um, I joined this artist residency called this, the Sarah Band Foundation, which is, um, it's it's the, the Alexander McQueen fa- Foundation. And it's, you know, a lot of different artists in these studios together. So I, when I was making Soft Animals, I was in a studio with a couple other um, brilliant artists. And that, yeah, that definitely made it uh, a, a lot like nicer an experience to be animating. Even if you're not working directly with them, yeah. there's kind of that hubbub of, of creativity going on, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, you mentioned that obviously graduating from the NF- NFTS and it being obviously quite a tricky time with the pandemic. But did you have a sense of like a roadmap of what you wanted to do next or what kind of, yeah, the next couple of years might look like? Pandemic um, aside. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I first graduated. Well, mm-hmm. um, I did. I still do. I would say it's still similar. Like my my I really what I really want to make is a, a feature film and feature animated film, which is um, so I'm kind of I would say that's like my, you know, my main dream goal, whatever thing that I am sort of constantly trying to find ways to just take steps toward there. Mm. I'm also, um, you know, of course, like making a living, which is um, it was actually a really like quite a nice surprise and relief and and kind of all these good feelings and to realize that I, I you know, I, I, I could through animation um, and a surprise to my parents as well. So that's been really good. So I, um, I'm signed with Blink Inc. and we make weird commercials together. <laughs> Well, that's cool because, um, yeah, I definitely want to talk about Blinking because I think they're an amazing studio and they represent a lot of very innovative artists, including yourself. How did you hear about them? How did they hear about you? You know, how did that um, partnership come together? I heard of them as soon as I came to like, to the UK because they're just, you know, one of the best, one of the best biggest in London. And so, yeah, they were kind of always on my radar. They reached out to me when I was still at school um, because they had seen my previous film, Renee Poptosis. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of how the conversation started with them. Um, mm. And yeah, it's been it's been really great. Just the the freedom and, and the sort of support that that they have given me. And can we talk a little bit more about the work that you're making with them, like how those briefs come in, how you find projects that are the right fit for your kind of style and way of working? Yeah. So Bart, the EP or Joe or Clive, they um, they will just reach out with briefs that have come in that they think will suit me. And and yeah, so far it's been almost weird how well the briefs have fit with like things <laughs> that I'm interested in like this the first job I did with them was um commercial for the Austrian Federal Ministry for Climate Protection and it's called What's Lurking in the Basement so they they had the goal of convincing Austrians to update their old heating systems their old boilers to more mm-hmm. climate friendly alternatives so the way they decide the, you know the way they were going to do that was to was these three old boilers in the basement <laughs> singing about singing heavy metal music about how gross and nasty they are and how they're going to say <laughs> and so yeah it was like wow this is this is like this is great this is something that I really want to be working on so yeah I we pitched and and got the job and that was a really fun experience and it was my first time working with puppets live action puppets mm. as well uh which was really fun and, and crazy and, and just working with like yeah making I mean it's it was so great because we were just working so with just the most like amazing team of of people, of model mm-hmm. makers, set builders, you know, like we shot it in Bristol. So all the we had, you know, all the Ardman crew. And yeah, it was really it was a great experience. And how do you balance these kind of paid commercial gigs with then your more kind of personal work? Like, does one inform the other or do you prefer to kind of compartmentalize it? It sort of helps to sort of, OK, like during the day I'm thinking about what I'm doing with Linking, And then, you know, maybe in the evening I'll I'll think about something else that I'm doing for myself. Yeah, it's definitely um, a mix. They'll and there'll be like, yeah, if I'm like really busy on a commercial, then maybe you know one day on the weekend, like I'll I'll try to uh, sit down and write my short film or, or something like that. Um, and then, but then I think it works really well for me working on commercials because there will be, you know, ebbs and flows where there'll be mm-hmm. months where I'm really busy and the months where you know I'm, I'm less busy. So then I can I have time to 
focus on my own work. So yeah, I think that that balance for me has worked really well so far. And I suppose obviously it's, you know, a very much a requirement to earn money to kind of give you the freedom to the, you know, if you were stressed about money, you probably wouldn't be able to be creative at all. So they sort of work in tandem in that way. Um, and then I'd love to sort of just get an idea of the animation process for you, like the creative process from the outset to sort of the finished film. So how does a project begin to you? How does an idea come to you? Um, and, and what makes it worth interrogating or fleshing out? I would say that my first ideas come as like images that I'm drawn toward. So O Black Hole started from, I was drawing like a, a woman with where her head should be was like just a dark smudge. And yeah, I was just drawing that a lot and sort of thinking where, where, well, you know, who, who, why, why is her, why is her head like this? And just kind of wanting to figure that out for myself. And so then this idea came of, oh, she's a black hole. <laughs> and yeah, with the idea also that, oh, she's a black hole because she wants, she hates, because inside a black hole, time stops, I think. And uh, so this woman is somebody who hates the passing of time, who's really afraid of change and people leaving her. And so she sucks in you know, everyone she loves and everything in the universe to keep them safe and forever inside her. And then from there, the idea grew into, well, if everything is stuck inside her forever, they're going to be pretty miserable, um, you know, stuck inside a black hole for, for a thousand years or something. So then this other character, uh, the singularity, which is kind of at the bottom of the black hole, this young girl, her, she goes on a quest to I don't know, like save, save the universe from the clutches of the black hole. And, and so, yeah, I guess like, ideas kind of grow from that way. Like it's a combination of images that I'm really interested in and I guess topics or fears or things that I'm thinking about or obsessions that I'm I can't stop thinking about mm. um I guess those things meet and then become a film <laughs> and are you scripting and storyboarding all of your projects to figure out the story or is it less prescriptive than that kind of how do you go about crafting the narrative side of things I've usually worked in a more kind of loose way sort of making drawings doing some writing, uh, doing some, then I'll, you know, animate some stuff and that'll inform how the script goes and how the, you know, it's all kind of a jumble, but now I can't do that anymore, <laughs> which, which is, uh, has been an adjustment to make, but I think it's, I mean, just because that's not how it, it can't really work that way when working with, with other people, you know, just for every step of the progress process like people need to know what what's going to happen especially with this bbc film um it's been a very rigorous development process which has been really good and the script has definitely progressed you know because of it um but yeah it, it has been it has been tough to sort of just work on the script without thinking about well it's live action so, you know i've never done that but you know like thinking about oh who's the actress going to be who's the what are what is it going to look like what's it going to sound like but yeah there's um now i i guess yes i do i i write the script first <laughs> And then you worked with producer Jesse Romaine on your last couple of shorts, Soft Animals and O Black Hole. Um, how did you meet with him? And, and at what point are you sharing, you know, your ideas with him? Jesse and I met at film school on, yeah, the first year. We actually met, I think he, because there was a screening of our first year project. So that was an unfinished version of Soft Animals. And he, yeah, he seemed to like, so we were talking on the, like on the train into London um, after that screening. And yeah, that's when we started 
to chat about possibly working together on my grand film, Oh Black Hole. We, yeah, we are definitely like very open about ideas and, and he's very supportive and, and really good at sort of uh, the development phase. So yeah, we, we talk really early on. And is there a part of the process that you enjoy the most, you know, in terms of whether it's coming up with the initial idea or then scripting it or, or then, you know, getting to actually make it? Oh, there's so many. Yeah, there's good. There's like a, this peak at the beginning and then this kind of <laughs> slog in the middle and then the end is really good again when it's made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I'm really enjoying at the moment. I'm sort of in addition to working on these things, I'm, I'm kind of like this, this feature idea that I mentioned that the bird cult, I'm sort of. I decided that I would develop it on my own. I decided that I would sort of go back to my original way of working, which is just making some images, making some, doing a bit of writing, like maybe doing a bit of animating, just kind of going back to that way of working and just like, you know, having this kind of solid thing before I try and um, Mm. start showing it to the world, trying to, you know, get all the funding things. But Yeah. uh, yeah, just kind of, at the moment kind of keeping it to myself which is which has been really enjoyable and freeing and, mm. and good incubating the ideas I guess yeah yeah that's it oh that's a great word for it <laughs> <laughs> and then this is maybe quite a difficult question but I mean how do you know just because good is subjective and you know what is good and something can mean something to someone that someone else doesn't like but for you when you've made an animated film how do you know that it's working you know on a story level on an emotional level and that it's connecting with audiences you know does that kind of light bulb moment happen or, or you're kind of it doesn't really no it doesn't I definitely <laughs> have that everything I made is crap unless I mean yeah and then some unless people watch it and say that it's not crap and then sometimes I believe them and sometimes I don't I think that just comes from spending too much time thinking about one thing and really like living in it it's hard to kind of see it objectively anymore but no I think showing the film at a festival and sort of talking to no I know what it is (laughs) like if I show it to my friends, I, you know, I just think they're lying to me. But if I, if like strangers say they like it, then, you know, you kind of think, well, they're probably, they wouldn't lie to me to spare my feelings. <laughs> that's, that's like, an, it's really nice to show, to show a film with an audience. Well, objectively, your films have achieved, you know, a fair amount of success because O Black Hole was uh, won an award at South by Southwest and Aspen Shorts Fest. And then I think Soft Animals was nominated recently at Sundance. So, you know, that obviously means you're, you're doing good work on some level. You know, what does that what does that mean for you? I guess, does it convert to something tangible in the sense that, you know, you, you win an award and then more doors are opened? Or is it just more about the work being seen and that being enough? I think it's it definitely is helpful in a few ways, in many ways. And I'm very, you know, very I'm like extremely grateful whenever anybody, you know, even just shows my films um it's so it's great it's a great yeah it's it's a great thing I would say like personally I say that it has given me a bit of confidence just to sort of trust my own I don't know like instincts sometimes and try to like uh that you know sometimes just just should just go by instinct and like this is what feels right in this film so should do this and tangibly um yeah I would say yeah definitely I've had I've had the opportunity to have a lot of conversations that I don't think I would have otherwise. Um, and I'm really hoping that that will lead to, uh, yeah, just to like getting the next thing made. That That's like kind of my, always my goal is getting the next film made, which um, I would really love to be my my feature idea. So yeah, I'm, you know, 
always trying to to work in that direction and and yeah i think the screenings and the festivals they they definitely do do help just to open doors and have conversations and then i'm also wondering whether mentorship has ever played a role in your career and given that you know animation can be i guess quite isolating if you are incubating ideas for a long period of time um and and sort of often turning them over in your head by yourself what does support look like who do you go to for that yeah, I, I, that's mentorship and my teachers and professors have been played a huge role in my career. Uh, like Ruth Langford was my first animation professor. We still like I talk to her all the time. Uh, you know, she's she's the person I'll show my films to first for advice. And another professor from Harvard, um, her name is Athena Sangari. She's a Greek filmmaker. And yeah, she's been a huge, huge mentor and, and support and kicked my butt a few times, you know, with, with motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then other, other sort of animators that I look up to, like Simon Cartwright and Nina Gantz. And yeah, it's really inspiring to see their careers. I'm wondering if there's something that you consider to be like the biggest learning curve of your career so far or something that maybe you think that you would have benefited from learning earlier. I would say, I don't know, a black hole was the biggest learning curve, I think, just from working with a big team for the first time, working in stop motion, working in, you know, all these. And then also getting like having that intensity of feedback from film school tutors just every week um, and that kind of rigorous questioning of you know the film I'd never had that before and that was all very uh, it was a lot and um, I think that the film is a I don't know yeah my I'm so I'm so mixed about about the film and the result I think I'm still too close to it maybe to see I think sometimes I think oh I don't know (laughs) but then other other times oh you know it's okay I, I definitely need some more distance from it I was, I was, I remember what I was going to say earlier was that I watched, I watched Hold Me Kakakaka somewhat recently and it had been years since I made it and I just watched it and I I was like, oh, wow. At first it felt like a stranger had made it just because it was so long ago, but then I could kind of see it objectively and think like, oh, this is where I would trim it down now and, you know, Mm. stuff like that. It's all, it's all been a learning curve and it's all, it's very exciting. I guess sometimes I think, oh, you know, this is very hard, but then imagining that, you know, a few years ago, I I couldn't have, I wouldn't have imagined that I would have made a film like, like that. And when you looked at Hold Me Kokokoko and you thought about what you'd do differently, was it just, yeah, was it about the editing or was there, is it, was it about the style? Like, what was it that you thought, okay, like this is how I've evolved or this is how I'd like to continue to evolve? Yeah, I would say mostly when I watch my old films, I think, oh, they're too long. Um, and this is where I would cut. But I'm so precious about every shot when I am editing them because it took, you know, it took just days to make each one. So, yeah, I would say that's kind of the biggest thing. The style and stuff, I mean, I, I definitely think oh you know that animation could be better but I don't really see it that way it's more about I guess like how the film works as a whole mm-hmm. um so yeah it's the editing I would say and I think with with that that's why I've been working with editors um since then uh like Ami Arapin my editor for O Black Hole you know we had a really yeah it was really great we had really great conversations like during it some arguments about what shots to cut and and I you know she was always right she was always, mm. she, was always she was always right I suppose it's good to have someone yeah that has distance from the material because yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine if you spent days working on a shot yeah, <laughs> to, like, to then no. take it out you're just like no I literally can't conceive How of can that yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's in the end it's uh it's about what what serves the film not about what serves my I don't know yeah. my brain <laughs> 
Finally, I'd love to know if there is a film from a woman director that you think is a bit of a hidden gem or just something that maybe you return to when you're looking for sort of inspiration. So The Gleaners and I by Agnes Varda, I think, is a film that I really have returned to many times. The first time I saw it was in French class in high school. And I really thought, what, what is this? I just didn't. Uh, it was the first exposure I had to, I don't know. Yeah, like cinema, I guess. And I just thought it was, what is this? But now when I look back at it, it's so nuanced and, and beautiful and kind of, yeah, I really love that film. That's a really good pick. Um, thank you for sharing it. And Renee, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you and hear more about your filmmaking process. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Nicole. It's been really fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Best Girl Grip. If you liked what you heard, please do rate, review and subscribe. It really does help to get the word out. If this is your first time listening, there is a whole bunch of episodes to keep you busy wherever you get your podcasts. But if you're up to date, hold tight and I'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode.